I just sat there. You didn't call anyone? No. Why not? <laughs> I don't know. I just thought that if I did, make it real. Hmm. got an interesting one today <laughs> yes we are we are going to be taking our uh, dis- uh, we're going to be getting into a fuller discussion of something we touched on a little bit last cast um last cast we did talk a little bit about get out um but there was one big thing missing from that ca- ca- uh, discussion when we discussed it i hadn't seen it yeah <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of a major deal yeah um, so what we what we discussed last time, of course, was what an oddity it was that this movie won an Oscar. Mm-hmm. It is <laughs> still very much an oddity to me, even after having seen it, that this movie won an Oscar. Yeah, <laughs> and it's not a bad thing. But we are going to get, but we we really do want to give this movie a full discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, this is this is an oddity in a lot of ways. It is a movie that it was released. In February of last year. Yeah. And people are still talking about it. Yeah. It's, yeah, it was released in February and uh, Oscar season, like it stuck around until Oscar season in the minds of Hollywood. Yeah. That never, that almost never happened. And, and not limping into it, again, it got oh. four nominations and one win. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a big deal. But again, it stayed in the zeitgeist. Mm-hmm. When when it this was one that just came up over and over and over again, and if a movie has that kind of staying power, you really want to stop and go, okay, well, what's going on here? Why did this movie last? Why yeah. did this one have the endurance that other movies don't have? Yeah. So that's what we're going to get into today. We are going to cover why did this movie have the endurance that it's had? Um. 
So mm-hmm. let's get this out of the way before we go any further. This movie absolutely deserved it deserves its place in the cultural pantheon. Uh, this is one it does. plain and simple. People are going to be discussing this one in 50 years. Yes, they will. It isn't, it isn't even that, Oh, they're discussing it now and they're going to be discussing it. You know, no, it's, it, this is not a movie that's going to be going away. This is a movie that is headed for psycho territory where mm-hmm. we just, you know, Hitchcock, this is going to go up there with the shining Mm-hmm. This is going to be a movie that we're going to discuss from now until the end of cinema. This is a movie that matters. And it's kind of rare to look at a movie and know this soon that it's going to last, but this one really is going to totally do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, it's such a a bold film. Um, just to be clear, my to get my opinion on the film out of the way, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Uh, not one bit overhyped. And that's one of the weird things about this movie, too. Have you noticed that there hasn't been much of a backlash against it? No, it, no, not, if at all. Like, uh, I, I hate to generalize like this, but mm-hmm. the only real criticism I've heard about it were, ki- were kind of racist. Yeah, like, and that's. I'm not that's saying insane. if you don't. Yeah, I'm not saying if you don't like this movie, you're a racist, but. I'm kind of saying that. <laughs> there have been some racist criticisms of this yeah. movie. Yeah. But we're going to get into one of the big criticisms that I have heard a little later in the cast. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, throw, throw at me valid criticisms, really. I mean... Yeah, if you thought that it was a little corny, if you thought it was a little silly, mm-hmm. that's fine and probably fair. Mm-hmm. You're, I don't agree, but I would agree, but I would at least understand that one. I yeah. get, I would get criticisms that it's a little bit ridiculous because it is kind of a ridiculous film. You know, let's be clear, it is kind of a ridiculous film. It is kind of a crazy film. Um, it, it really yeah. is. Um, uh, so I mean, a little bit of background on the film, of course. Um, before we get into any background on the film, let's let's talk briefly about the Blumhouse model. Yeah, we've talked about it a few times. Let's really discuss what this is uh jason bloom has a uh who's a producer uh has mm-hmm. a real interesting start to his career do you know how he got started as a producer i i have no idea actually this is really cool um started mm-hmm. out uh in college actually he helped his college roommate out by getting his script to a fan to a friend of his family hmm. um yeah his uh his college roommate noah bombach Oh, was that, trying to get his first movie made. That Noah Bombach. Yes, that Noah Bombach. <laughs> by the way, yes, it is no end of bizarre that the guy that became the king of you know big studio schlock, mm-hmm. his start, his starting point was Noah Bombach. Nice. Um, got his script to Steve Martin, who was a friend of Bloom's family, oh. and Martin really pushed the film and you know with studios and said, "Hey, this is a really good script, y'all." really need to get this made and uh bombach got um kicking and screaming made his directorial debut which is widely mm. considered a pretty tremendous film i haven't seen it i'm i'm not a big bombach fan i'm not gonna lie um yeah and i'm especially disinterested in his non-gerwig films i just it, it, to me she makes him stronger she makes him so much stronger as an artist yeah um 
you know, you talk about the idea that couples become kryptonite for each other. No, it's the opposite with them. <laughs> I think she brings out the best in him. Yeah. She, she really does. She's, um, and, and again, hopefully we'll get to cover Gerwig's own attempt at uh, making a movie, uh, at some point later on this year. I, I would love to, I'd love to look at that. Um, but mm-hmm. anyway, anyway, we're getting it, we're getting away from the subject. Bloom, of course, worked for Miramax, tried to become a writer himself. It didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Um, started producing horror, just got into horror because he realized it was profitable. Yeah. Um, and found a model that was really successful and eventually signed a deal with Universal. The model that he has is as follows. Mm-hmm. Uh, under a certain budget, first of all, Universal has to greenlight any film that he wants to make below a certain budget. Hmm. Like I think it's seven million. Like that's they not have bad. Under, no, he can any movie he wants to make. They have to greenlight it. <laughs> um, how how do how do you get that deal? They want to be in business with him. Hmm. They want to be in business with him. He makes his movies make them money. I mean, it's that simple. Hmm. He just nice. his movies make them money. Um, well, there you go. Because on a budget like that you can theoretically be in profit because on a deal like that, you can theoretically be in profit in three weeks. Mm-hmm. Very few of his films leave the theaters unprofitable. Uh, Get Out made a monster profit, just to be clear. Yeah. Um, now, if you're an actor working, if you're an actor or director working for them, you're not going to get much money. You're going to be making about the minimum. Yeah. However, percentage points, he always gives percentage points. Yeah, uh, I want to say that the uh, actors making in the Insidious movies, for example, mm-hmm. have become incredibly successful just on those. Yeah, and and this is the best part about his model: if you're a director, he technically has final cut. He'll mm-hmm. take his hands off. If you stay under his budget, he'll let you make whatever he wants. Um, mm. This is an awesome model. This is, I think, what Bloom is doing is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, everybody that's worked for him has said they've had complete creative freedom. They've been able to do whatever the hell they wanted. Hmm. Um, you know, he likes genre because genre is where money gets made. But right now, you've got an overwhelming, ca- just this class of horror directors coming up. Some of the best we've ever had in the genre. Mm-hmm. And, and and so he's working. He, not only it's that, top talent. Not only that, but he is. Uh, Kind of, kind of single-handedly responsible for the resurrection of M. Night Shyamalan's career. Here's what happened with that. Mm-hmm. Shyamalan made the visit outside of Bloomhouse. Did he really? He made it independent. Bloom okay. saw it, but the thought was it probably would have gone direct to video. It hmm. probably would have gone, but Bloom and his people saw it. Uh, it was an easy pickup for their deal with Universal. Mm-hmm. Um. So Universal, of course, released it because, you know, I'm sure that Universal executives watched it and were like, oh, this is a license to print money. Yeah. Seriously, y'all, if you haven't seen The Visit, it is so damn awesome. Oh, it's great. Like it. It is. Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't shy away from what it is. It's gloriously pulpy, funny, just craziness. I, I, I still don't know what got back into Shyamalan. However. Let's also note that, you know, still working with a low budget, uh, Shyamalan continued to work with uh, Bloom on Split, mm-hmm. and Split is better. Yeah. 
that's the crazy thing. You you did see Split ultimately, right? Oh yeah, I saw it. I saw. Oh it. God, it's great, man. Split is incredible, and Shyamalan has said openly, he does never want to work with a big budget ever again. He Good. likes working with the Bloom model. He needs, yeah, like he. Um, here's what, like, okay, as I see it, here's what happened with him, like. Around the time of signing, like, if you look at the, uh, the DVD, like, extras yeah. of his movies, uh, signs, he was very reluctant to work with CG until he's like, oh, well, yeah, this, okay, I see this. I see yeah. working with this. And then, and then, like, the happening, like, I'm not saying CG ruined his movies, but he got too comfortable. Um, you know. He, he got too comfortable with excess, is what he got too yeah. comfortable with. Like if you if you watch the DVD extras for the happening, um, you know there's a scene where where a character gets shot in the face with a shotgun, and all he's obsessed with in that scene is keeping the R rating and not having it be in C17. It's like, look, if it's if it's if it's violence and not sex, the MPAA doesn't give a shit. Like, really don't. you know, that's the that's John Wick thing. movies are rated R. Exactly, and those are really violent. Uh, oh God, I love those movies. Oh, they're so great! I can't wait for their third. But I know. But yeah, they're, they set for one hell of a third. Mm-hmm. But uh, so yeah, that's the moment where I just kind of went, you know, shut the fuck up. Nobody cares. You're focusing on the complete wrong thing. And, and now he's gone back to the right. Yeah, and he he, he finally stuck. Yeah. Yeah. He got back to character. You know, it's one of those things. It's like every he finally listened to everybody. He was like, "Yeah, okay, get back to characters, get back to good jump scares." Oh, and yes, finally make Unbreakable too. Yeah, boy, there he there he really listened to what we wanted. Cannot wait for that. Cannot wait. Mm-hmm. And by the way, Glass is also shot under the same model. Good. <laughs> yeah, Glass is also shot for next to no money. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, good. And that's, and that's a case where that's a sequel to a big time film. I think he, I think glass may actually cost less than he made for the script to unbreakable. Yeah. Yeah. Or for writing and directing unbreakable. It may yeah. actually cost less. Damn. That should tell you something. Um, that's pretty but good. anyway, we've covered that. Let's talk about Jordan Peele now. Yes. Jordan Peele, of course, he got his start on Mad TV, uh, working mm-hmm. with Keegan Michael Key there, um, mm-hmm. and of course, you know they went on to their own sketch show. We of course have to note that uh, they show up in the White and Nerdy video, of course, uh, just because that's never going to stop being awesome. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, if you watch Key and Peel, boy, they make a lot of horror references. Yeah. I haven't extensively watched them, but damn, it's do great. I need to! Like, it's you do, you do. Yeah. It's great. It's great. I, um, I have Hulu. I have no excuse. Yeah, you don't, because that's where I watched them. They're yeah. great. I, I love Keegan Michael Key and Jordan Peele. Mm-hmm. They're great, funny men. Mm-hmm. Um, and <clears throat> Key makes it very clear in this uh, on that show how much he loves horror. There mm-hmm. are constant Shining references. There is an extended sketch laughing at the Gremlins in Gremlins 2. <laughs> oh my god, if you haven't seen the Gremlins 2 sketch, it's brilliant. I haven't, but I need to. The The premise is this guy is walking around the room 
challenging people. Okay, what's your what gremlin do you want? And people are coming up with the worst ideas oh, for gremlins. Actually, like, I have seen that one. <laughs> like an electrical gremlin and a girl gremlin and a bat gremlin oh and a vegetable gremlin. And at the end of the sketch, it's like, okay, well, none of that's actually making it into the movie. And then, it, <laughs> and then we get the title card. All of that is in the movie. Yes, it is. I, I every single one, I just laugh my ass off. Like every single like pitch, it's like, uh, yeah, yeah. And yes, Joe Dante um, did love that sketch yeah. quite a bit. Yeah. Well, as I you, as you gr- might expect. Yeah. Uh, like I think I may have explained this before, but I used to just not like Gremlins too, not like where it went with, and then. Over time, I realized that he was indeed making fun of his own movie. It is a torch the franchise and run move. Yeah. Like nothing I have ever seen. Yeah. No filmmaker will ever get away with what he just got away with in that movie. Oh, it's uh, glorious. It's funny because it actually doesn't really feel that much like a bad Gremlins sequel. Um, no, it's really, we are getting... it's a lot of fun. But yeah, yeah. It's like people are acting as if the first movie was some kind of serious drama. Oh, no, the no. first the first movie was a parody. Mm-hmm. The first movie was a parody of Frank Capra movies. Well, there you Come go. on, I didn't Come realize on. that, but yeah, there you go. Uh, so anyway, let's get into let's get into mm-hmm. uh, Peel's big goal was he had an idea, he struggled mm-hmm. with it, he struggled with it over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, but he finally got it written. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, this was his idea for a horror movie. He finally got it made. He finally took it to Bloomhouse at a moment where they were looking for a script for a, a person of color director. Yeah. They they knew they needed to make something mm-hmm. for a POC. They knew mm-hmm. that was their mistake, that they hadn't been tapping into that audience. Here was mm-hmm. a script that came along, could easily be shot for the budget. The movie only cost about $4 million. Yeah. And I understand why it does. This doesn't look like an expensive movie. Mm-hmm. But not in a bad way. More than that, it doesn't need to be an expensive movie. You know? This doesn't yeah. need to be some $50 million film. Really, the $4 million budget was the exact correct budget uh, for this movie. Yeah. I mean, it feels right. <laughs> Because really, this is an acting movie. This movie is entirely an acting movie. Yeah. Acting and directing, not special effects, mm-hmm. not nothing more than just good old-fashioned stuff that doesn't cost anything. Yeah. The premise could not be simpler. <laughs> yes, we have narration in the background. Yeah. She I can't do like... anything about it. She sounds like she's I, having fun. <laughs> I can't do anything about it, and I don't want to, because my little girl is so happy. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, what what Peel did was he said, you know, so anyway, the premise of this movie, look, I'm going to assume most of y'all have seen this movie. I, I really feel like it's... Full sp- if we're going to talk about it at all, full spoilers are on. Mm-hmm. We can't not. I'm, this, the premise... Could not possibly be simpler. Mm-hmm. A uh, a young black man goes to uh, it's implied to be upstate New York or somewhere like that mm-hmm. to see his to meet his girlfriend's family. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, he is convinced right from the word go something is off. Mm-hmm. And boy, does it turn out that there's something off. This movie, I'm just going to stop right now and say this movie has a black exploitation premise, if I've ever heard one. Mm-hmm. And I mean that in a good way. I mean that in the best way I can possible. Mm-hmm. If you strip this premise down, this is a brilliant black exploitation premise of white people wanting to steal black people's bodies because they're better at everything. Mm-hmm. That's what this movie is about. Yeah, is plain and simple. Tell me that's not a black exploitation premise. <laughs> no, it completely is. And and that's a good thing. That is that is all love to the surreality of good black exploitation. Mm-hmm. Seriously, she is just like singing up a storm. <laughs> this is being this is parent life. I'm not gonna trash it. So yeah. first of all, so you have this premise of this guy he finds himself in a situation and he has to get out. Mm-hmm. It it is a such a simple situation. And the brilliance of this movie is we realize what's going on long before he does. Yeah. We know from the word, because the movie starts with a... Yeah, with a guy getting kidnapped. Guy getting kidnapped. From, um, by, I assume, is the brother. It is the brother. It is absolutely yeah. the brother, yes. Yeah. Um, I will say, I listened to the commentary track last week. Yeah. Uh, if y'all have seen the movie but haven't heard the commentary track, highly recommended... <laughs> Because Peel leaves nothing on the table. No. There is no mystery that he leaves on the table about this movie. Mm-hmm. For one thing, making it very clear that this is supposed to be about modern Knights Templar mm-hmm. who were seeking immortality, that this is how they figured out to do it. Hmm. Yeah. And it's pretty horrifying. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, once you realize uh, what's happening, then, like, it's... You know, the entire movie, you're just like, oh, Jesus Christ, what is, you know, because there is something very, very wrong. Um, it is it is a constant atmosphere of dread. It is. Um, it is. Like, from the word go. Like, the, the, the song that opens the film is uh, Childish Gambino's Red Bone. Brilliant choice, by the way. Perfect. Possibly one of the most expensive things about the film, I would think. Yeah. Because it doesn't use, you know, there are no other big music cues used in the film. Yeah. But it was a brilliant, uh, but it was a brilliant decision. Yeah, I've since listened to that entire album, and it's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, Man, all the love to Donald Glover. That man is incredibly talented. Oh, yeah. But, you know, so, so the movie, again, it's this very simple premise. Chris and Rose, this couple, and can I just say that in the first few scenes of them together, you like them so much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and it comes to hurt later on mm-hmm. when you realize how not at all real that relationship was. Yeah. It hurts. Um, but, you know, they're this very attractive young couple She's the daughter of old money. He's a very successful photographer. Mm-hmm. You like them together. They just seem nice together. Yeah. Um, Daniel Kaluuya, who plays Chris, um, 
you may have seen him in uh, the Black Mirror episode that he did. Uh, yes, that's this. the first thing I saw. I mean, it took me a little bit actually watching the movie to figure out who he was. It's like it's the I, accent. It's the accent. Him? Yeah, that's. Let me t- let me tell you, like just slightly off topic, um, uh, like it th- it throws me whenever like British American actor like when American actors do British accents, it's not that jarring because it's not our no. accent. But when British actors that normally don't do American accents do American accents, it is jarring. Because I, it took me a full two or three minutes to recognize Simon Pegg in Ready Player One just because he's doing an American yeah. accent. Like it, it, and that's Simon Pegg. Yeah, and it threw me. Like even when I realized it was him, it threw me off so hard. <laughs> yeah. By the way, can you imagine if you were to taken Pegg aside uh, while he was doing Spaced? And told him what his career was going to be like. <laughs> I thought of that, like, after after the fact. It's like, oh, you get to be in the nerdiest film of 2018. Uh, you have that joke about odd Star Trek movies. Oh, yeah, show. that's right. Hey, guess what? You're going to write one. Uh-huh. You're going to <laughs> literally co-write one and be in it. Yeah. And not just in a cameo, you're going to play Scotty. <laughs> Man, I. But anyway, getting back to this movie, yeah, Kaluuya, a British actor doing American here, and of course, you may have also seen him in another February release that made a lot of money. Mm-hmm. He is, of course, in Black Panther. Uh oh, yeah, he is. It took me a, a bit to recognize him in that too. Yeah, he just look right now. He's working a lot right now, and I I've got no gripes with that. No. <laughs> Um, he, he's, 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 he's definitely a movie star mm-hmm. all the way. So anyway, um, you really like these two. You like their chemistry. You like their interactions. Uh, she is played by Allison Williams. Mm-hmm. You know, in this movie, the, the whole premise is that she's playing a daughter of rich people. Mm-hmm. And of course, in real life, she's the daughter of Brian Williams uh, of, <laughs> of NBC. Yeah. So someone who knows a thing or two about this and uh, her parents are played by uh, Bradley Whitford and Catherine Keener who look there's no need to even explain anything about them um, the mm-hmm. whole point of casting them uh, according to Peel was that he wanted to hire Hollywood liberal royalty <laughs> got it there you go got it um, and can I just say by the way how much of a sense of humor Whitford has had about the memes relating to this movie yeah. Because so many people have, of course, made memes out of his character's line about, I would have voted for Obama for a third time, like yeah. reworking that into, oh, I'll, I saw Get Out this many times, or, you know. <laughs> and then eventually it got to, oh, well, I, I saw Black Panther on opening weekend. And he <laughs> uh, he laughed and was like, well, I did. <laughs> and I did think it was great. Yeah. So. I mean, there is uh, 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 Whitford's Twitter feed is awesome. He he does seem like a really cool guy. Um, I need to see. So, so there is that really neat thing that's going on where, you know, just casting these roles so right automatically gets all the work done. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, they get to this house and there's something off from the word go with the servants, mm-hmm. two um, two black people of indiscriminate age. It's kind of hard to tell. They yeah. don't dress normally. They don't act normally no they 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 dress like people in the 30s and there's very much the implication that oh 
is it gross that they are, um, mm -hmm. you know, these servants in the house? Mm -hmm. uh, well, let's go into the major spoiler for the rest of the film. They are actually running everything. Yeah. They are actually Rose's grandparents. Mm -hmm. uh, who, who invented the technique of stealing black bodies. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's and, disturbing. That's oh, horrifying. Oh, it's even more horrifying when you realize that uh, primarily... Well, I guess it doesn't matter for the first one, but for the, like, the one that was acquired at the opening of the film. But, like... Uh, like, when you realize that those bodies were probably romanced by their granddaughter. Mm hmm That is Ugh. disturbing. Like, when I, it took me, I don't know, two or three days to think of that possibility. It's disturbing. Yeah, it's horrifying. It's, it's gross. It's gross. Yeah. She has definitely had sex with the bodies that her grandparents are now Ugh. occupying. That's mm -hmm. definitely in the film. Um, yeah, that's canon. <laughs> that's canon. Oh. That's canon. You you don't get around that. Um, no. <laughs> and, and 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 so, anyway, you meet these characters. It gets really disturbing. Mm-hmm. And then, but 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 at every step, they're trying to allay his nerves. And then, of course, we get to mm -hmm. the uh, famous moment in the film where the mom is like, "Oh, you smoke? Here, let me hypnotize you." Uh huh. Uh this sequence on the commentary track peel outright admitted he hoped now you're in the sunken place becomes an iconic horror line yeah you got that you got that don't worry man you got it you're good yeah <laughs> you're good yeah that that that's that's about as classically a a, a moment as any you're ever going to find it is mm -hmm. seriously it's spot on yeah it's disturbing it really, that entire sequence, and, it, and of course it sets up the idea that Chris is vulnerable due to trauma, mm -hmm. due to the fact that his mother died and he wasn't able to do anything, but he feels like he could have. Yeah. I mean, there's so, seriously crazy stuff in this sequence. A moment that I did not catch <laughs> until rewatch, I don't know that. Uh, a moment that I did not catch until rewatch uh, is... Uh, when the mother is kind of probing for that moment, for, yeah. for that, like she when she hits upon it, she taps she taps the tea the teacup twice, just to sort of mark it. Yeah, and that's there that's is like a oh, <laughs> there is. Let's make no mistake about this movie. The reason that this thing won best original screenplay mm -hmm. is because this is one of the tightest scripts I've ever seen. There mm -hmm. is nothing that Peel leaves unaccounted for. No. This thing is airtight. There isn't a mistake in it. There's not a glitch in it. Mm -mm. There's nothing. He gets... Every idea is accounted for. There is a callback and a callback and a callback. Mm-hmm. It is just... This thing is... It Amazing. is ready to go cinematically. Mm-hmm. I, I can't even begin to get into how precisely done this is yeah um and so with that sequence you really do have it's disturbing it, it really mm -hmm. is disturbing and it one of the things that's pointed that uh, peel pointed out 
was that, no, let's be clear, the sunken place is not the same for everybody, hmm. but it's always some version of your worst trauma. Hmm. So keep in mind, the way that this process works is these people are always alive in there some way watching, mm -hmm. and they're trapped in their worst trauma. Hmm. Jesus. Is it any wonder that when the grandfather gets control of his body, the first thing he does is blow his brains out? Yeah. God. Because he's been living in hell. Yeah, quite, quite, Bas liter quite literal hell. Yeah, basically the sunken place is your literal hell. Mm -hmm. That is a terrifying idea. Ugh. Yeah, and it's like, and and uh, that that moment where like he's tied to the chair and he's being forced to watch a video on it, and like, oh, like this is to prepare you for, you know, and it's it's like it's selling it to. Uh, it is, and, and you know, and it's like nobody nobody is going to go for this. Like, oh, thank God you came along. And yeah, it's terrifying. Yeah, so it's so the thought of that, just that, you know, they're still trying to like they could just not. Like, yeah. well, I guess, well, I guess, you know, Stephen Root does explain. Oh, yeah, well, you know, um, uh, preparing the preparing the passenger, as it were, is part of the process. But at the same time, it's no. like, oh, it, it's it's disgusting. Yeah. Again, all this leads to the brilliant auction scene. Mm -hmm. Everything about that extended sequence is revolting. Mm -hmm. It is disturbing. And I want to stop right now to point out, normally when we use the phrases disturbing and revolting in horror, what we reference are movies that take place in these grimy, disgusting, repellent, nauseating it's, worlds this one takes place in the most it's daylight and it's colorful <laughs> everything is classy mm -hmm. everything is attractive everything looks good all the people are attractive all the clothes are nice there is nothing out of place in this world mm -hmm. that's what makes it so disturbing is that these people are doing the worst things possible in the nicest environments Mm -hmm. Even the environment when he's being strapped to the chair and prepared to have his entire life destroyed, mm -hmm. it's nice. It's a den. Yeah. Ugh. That's like screwed it's... up. That is. <laughs> that is seriously warped. Mm -hmm. And it, again, I think it's so much scarier that all this takes place in this environment. Mm-hmm. Um, you you then so anyway in this auction scene, you have just the everything about it is terrifying. It is let's face it a slave auction. Yeah, yeah, very much so. They're but preparing this guy no to be words. sold. They're mm -hmm. preparing him to be sold, and so everyone's inspecting him. Everyone's mm -hmm. asking him questions. Yeah, it's under. It's it's ah. Uh... Is done so it's like under like a weird guise of you know oh, oh these people are being really insensitive and racist but it's like well yeah but there's a reason that they're behaving this way it's disgusting yeah everything about this scene it's not pleasant and because mm -hmm. it's obvious that they're looking him over 
Mm-hmm. Now, if you watch it not knowing where it's going, mm-hmm. and by the way, congratulations if you're able to watch the movie at this point not knowing where it's going. I kind of didn't, I'll be honest. I had this one, yeah, but you also saw it when it was released. That's true. By I the time that I, I watched the this movie, of... I had it pretty much top to bottom spoiled for me by everybody. Yeah, I I went in deliberately not knowing, like, I kind of knowing what it was about, but not really knowing what, like, what was yeah. going to happen. But I do think that knowing where it's going does actually kind of make it stronger, because it means yeah. you can be aware of the fact that, hey, <laughs> what what is this movie trying to do? Well, again, it's an auction scene. They're trying mm-hmm. to buy his body, yeah. and they're trying to look over the merchandise, trying to see, is it for them? Mm-hmm. Uh, Peel points out there's the scene where the woman, where the female half of a couple is looking at him, and Peel pointed out she's also considering his body. Huh. You know, maybe she wants to be a male, you know. I didn't maybe realize decided, that. Maybe because the process doesn't require. Right. You know. It's This is seriously some disturbing stuff here. Mm hmm. It really is disturbing. And, the, again, the fact that it's all done under this pleasantry of a garden party. Mm-hmm. Now, I mentioned that the movie feels like it was set in upstate New York or something. It was actually shot entirely in Mobile, Alabama. Hmm. You know what? Knowing that that scene was shot in Mobile, Alabama makes it scarier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they had auctions they had auctions in Mobile. That's true. Oh, God. Oh, God. This, this was not unheard of in that area. Mm-hmm. And by the way, we haven't even touched on the brilliant early scene mm-hmm. where, you know, like, they hit the deer. Mm-hmm. And she is trying so hard to keep the cops away. And again, it's a genius bonus where yeah. when you go back and rewatch it, you realize she doesn't care about him. She cares no. about everything being found out. She doesn't want there to be any record of him being there. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things where it's... He wrote it in such a way that, yeah, you can go back and... Uh, like You can watch it the first time, get one meaning out of it, and then watch it the second time and get the complete separate meaning of it. Like, it's... Uh, uh, like... Uh, I don't know what you'd call that. Um, Rewatch... Rewatch bonus is Rewatch, the term yeah. that they use on TV tropes. Yeah, rewatchability. Um, but I I feel like there should be another term for that, like double writing or something. What'd you say? I feel like there should be another term for that, like double writing or something like that, where you double meaning. Double meaning. Yeah, there you go. I mean, it really is. This movie is loaded with them over and oh, over yes. and over again. Like all the discussion about Jesse Owens. Mm-hmm. And then you later realize, oh, well, the grandfather is doing all of this fundamentally because mm-hmm. he's pissed off. You know, the grandfather that invented this process, he fundamentally did it because he was pissed off that he didn't get to go to the Olympics. Mm-hmm. He was denied something. And he's tried to take it out in this form of positive racism. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Um, that's another thing this movie is totally about. Are we agreed that this movie is essentially one giant allegory for cultural appropriation? Yeah, we can agree on that. That's not subtle. Um, no. Peel didn't get into it in the commentary track, 
But it's hard not to see this movie as one long study of how white people steal black people's art. Mm-hmm. You know, and that is a discussion that I want us to never stop having. Yeah, there is a there is a long history, like from rock and roll to hip hop to like jazz to yeah. There's a long history of that, and there are cases where it's tricky. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, everyone always goes after Elvis, but I've always found that to be a very tricky situation. First of yeah. all, Elvis was always the first person to say, point blank, would you listen to these artists instead of me? Yeah. Hmm. You know, Elvis was not by any accounts a racist. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, mm-hmm. does that does that, does that that matter? Mm-hmm. You know, yes, he was doing the music that he loved, but does it matter that he had a way in, that he was basically used by the record industry as a way to sell black music when white artists couldn't, or mm. when black artists couldn't? Yes, it does matter. It matters big time. And no matter how much you like the music, it matters. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how good your intentions are. It matters that you steal this stuff. Yeah. Seriously, this movie... That's the thing. This movie stands up to so much scrutiny and so much reading. Mm-hmm. Um, again, that whole auction scene is just a nightmare. Yeah. And it's a nightmare because that's the point at which you know things are going to get bad and you mm-hmm. know they're not going to get better. Yeah. And indeed, that's basically the moment where he's trapped. He's been mm-hmm. lulled into this situation. And that's one thing that Peel took real pains to note in the commentary track is Chris never does anything stupid in this movie. Yeah, no. He never makes a mistake. The problem is he's in a situation that's so much bigger than him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he even pointed out it's deliberate that you hear the words stay woke yeah. early on in the film. You sub- you have to know that that was intentional. Yeah. Because, again, Peel said as much. and He said he wanted this to be a movie where the black character does everything right. Right. Except they, he did have to uh, include that <laughs> that thing at the end, which was nice. I told you not to go in there, man. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get to that character. I'm, I want to talk about yeah. him at the end of the cast. Yes. Oh, God. God. We are so, yeah. Oh, so anyway, you have this idea going through this movie of, again, everything is bad mm-hmm. and it gets worse. And worse. Mm-hmm. And of course, there's all these little things. His cell phone gets unplugged. Mm-hmm. He can't find the keys mm-hmm. to leave. Just all these subtle little ways that they trap him. Mm-hmm. And by the way, finding a way around the cell phone issue was genius. Yeah. Uh, let's be clear that cell phones have ruined horror movies. <laughs> yeah, just by practicality. Mm-hmm. Cell phones have ruined horror movies since the beginning of time. Um, yeah. Or since their existence. Right. This one finds a way around it by mm-hmm. constantly having his phone be unplugged, constantly have it be taken away from him, constantly mm-hmm. losing power. Mm-hmm. That's good artistry. And when he does get it, he does the smart thing and immediately tries to get uh, call his friend uh, was Rod was the character's name. I think that's right. Yeah. Constantly calls him and is like, hey. Hey, uh, this is right, going, right? <laughs> you this know, all, for instance. This is all fucked up, right? 
For instance, <laughs> there's the guy that he flashes the light, the camera light in his face. Yeah. And he, of course, temporarily finds his way back. And that guy does the exact right thing, giving the film its title. Mm-hmm. Get out. His screen. Mm-hmm. Get the f- out. Seriously. Mm-hmm. The, the, you know, and he tries. Because right then and there he knows he needs to leave. He needs to leave right now. But mm-hmm. he can't find the keys. And it just, that scene, when it just builds and builds with him begging his girlfriend, please, mm-hmm. let's just get the keys. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. And finally. Yeah. I mean, he pushes it so far. Peel mm-hmm. pushes that scene so very far. And finally it builds mm-hmm. to the wham line where she finally tells him, you know, I can't give you the keys. Right. You know you're you, you know you're screwed. Mm-hmm. The way that Allison Williams turns her performance in that moment mm-hmm. is monstrous. Yeah. Ugh. I want to stress. I really hope that she gets all the work in the world out of this movie. Yeah. Because the way that she turns that character in that moment mm-hmm. and just flips the switch, and it's like, yeah, I'm not the person you. Because he's already found out that she's been seduced, you know? Yeah. He's found the photos, which, by the way, Peel does explain in the commentary track that it's her way of playing a game with him. Yeah? Oh, It's that like she, she wants to... That she, she leaves it out? Found. Yeah. She's yeah. playing a game. She wants to be found out. Hmm. She wants to see if she can be found out. She wants to test it. Hmm. It's, 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 it's like, it's even subconscious that she wants to get caught. Yeah. Because she already knows. There's nothing he can do. Yeah, he's already screwed. And let's be clear, too. People have argued repeatedly, well, maybe she was hypnotized. Maybe <laughs> she's... No! No. Let's like grab a marker and underline this. No. Two, two things about her, like, about her character, like, things she does. Uh, like, I think... You mentioned that Jordan talks about in the commentary about that scene where, like, she's talking to uh, his friend and she's just, she, her facial expression is completely neutral, like, and her voice is doing, like, dramatic acrobats, and it is the most disturbing thing. It is art. It is an artful piece of work, and it's to be stressed, all her. Not yeah. there's n- he thought that they may have to like do a dubbing on it mm-hmm. because it would be too hard to pull it off. No, yeah, she did it. Oh, no, she did it. That's entirely her performance. Oh. That is entirely acting. Mm-hmm. Seriously, Williams needs to get just as much work as possible. I also like mm-hmm. that he inverts what the tradition with hair in movies. What's I don't that? know if you've ever noticed this, but you'll almost no. always notice. When a character reveals their true self, mm-hmm. they almost always let their hair down. Mm-hmm. Um, she puts Guillermo her hair up? She puts her hair up. Oh. All of her clothes go to very tight, very form-fitting, very clean. Very conservative. And you realize her real self is completely orderly. Yeah. Uh, orderly, controlled. Yeah. By the way, if you want to see a classic example of this, watch uh, Crimson Peak. With mm-hmm. what Guillermo del Toro does with Jessica Chastain's character in that movie. Hmm. I still need to Because he pulls that. some... Oh, boy, that one's... You want to talk about a sick and twisted little movie. Yeah? Oh, yeah, boy. that one goes to some twisted places. Don't yeah. want to spoil it for you. 
but you'll start you'll figure out something is going on mm -hmm. you'll be wrong and you'll be right dang mm -hmm. sweet <laughs> that is a twisted little movie and i love it good let's be i i have a feeling by the way that the writing that there's that there's going to be this narrative that oh uh shape of water was his redemption for crimson peak no <laughs> no it was not there was nothing to be redeemed about Crimson Peak. That movie is awesome and wonderful. I love that he's incredibly proud of it. And he should yeah. be. So anyway, her per I, again, everything about her character is terrifying. We mm -hmm. haven't talked we we mentioned Stephen Root. Let's talk a little bit about his character. Because huh. we do have to cover that. But one more thing, uh, before we uh stray too far from it, uh the other moment that she does in the film when she's like Oh, she she thinks that he's in the bag. Like he his surgery is underway. Yeah, she's done with him. So she, she, yeah, she she's in her room. Like she is like researching. Well, other people, uh, mm -hmm. like other other black guys on the internet, uh, and she's eating a bowl. Like is she's eating it out of a bowl, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, she's eating a bowl of Fruit Loops with a glass of milk. There is no milk in the bowl, but she is just like gingerly chomping on them one at a time, and then, and then like drinking milk through the straw, like in, like completely improportionate to like the one Fruit Loop she's it's just creepy. eaten. Yeah, it's it's both creepy and funny to me just because it's the whitest thing I've ever seen. I'm not separate entirely sure why. The, separate the colors from the white. That's right. Actually, I never thought of that metaphor, but yes. Oops. I'm that's telling you. That's exactly what's happening. Damn. <laughs> anyway, we have to get into Stephen Root just a little bit. Um, yes, yes. Stephen Root, uh, can I just say, by the way, how much I feel like we underappreciate how great Stephen Root is? Mm-hmm. I love him. I don't, think, I don't think we give him enough love. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's probably because he's mostly done TV, has been where I think he's really shown. Though, in all fairness, he's a Coen Brothers favorite. Oh, they yeah. Use, they use him a lot. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, he's he's even in, uh, what what is it? Uh, he's in uh, oh, uh, No Country for Old Men, briefly, even. He is. He's in the, yeah, the, he's in the entirety of King of the Hill. Yeah. Uh, of course, what I knew him for before anything else, even before King of the Hill, was mm -hmm. news radio because I was a huge news radio. Yeah, fan. I think that's where that's where I uh, that was my opener for him. Like and yes, it is kind of it is kind of surreal that I can say you know because of course I was a kid when news radio and King of the Hill started. Mm -hmm. Though actually about the same time, in all fairness, yeah. it's funny that it's not the cartoon that I knew him from first, but. I just thought news radio was hilarious as a kid. Uh, I did too. It was wonderful. It, it's not actually that highbrow of a show. Let's face it. No, it's great. <laughs> like it's lots but, of sex jokes, lots of vulgarity jokes. And I just recently yeah. rewatched all of it until Phil Hartman died. Yeah, that's a heartbreaking season. Like just that's a heartbreaking episode. I, I didn't even watch that episode. I couldn't bring myself no. to do it. I have to, it's Especially because it's been twenty years. He's still missed. Especially because if you watch the, that episode, you realize the entire cast was just having like they could barely they get through shooting. Yeah, that's you could. Yeah, it's very open. They don't really try to hide it. And they could barely. 
they could barely keep together. Yeah. Root was fantastic on that show. He was. And he's really emerged into such a great dramatic actor. Um, mm-hmm. he, he's great here because you can tell he doesn't – he thinks he's a nice guy is the thing. Yeah. Even though he is trying to steal a black man's body so that he yeah. can have his sight – which, by the way, he points out early on that he wanted to be a photographer and was never very good at it. Yeah. Hmm. hmm. So, and he claims he doesn't he doesn't buy into the whole black people are better thing, mm-hmm. but he wants the black man's eye. Yeah. Again. Just want your eyes, son. And it's both literally and allegorically. Mm-hmm. Literally, he wants to be able to see because he's blind, and mm-hmm. metaphorically because he wants that black man experience. Yeah. Oh my god, I just, I seriously cannot say enough how much I love this movie. I, I really can't, because it's things like that. Mm-hmm. Again, this is Jordan Peele's first solo screenplay. Mm-hmm. He did not, and his first thing to direct ever. And it may actually be his first script out right now that I think of it. I'm not sure. I'm telling you though, this is yeah. something. This is this is a work. But yeah, I love Steven Root here. I love that he's just so amiable, even though he's a monster. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so at the end, of course, Chris is able to survive. And how is he able to survive? Mm-hmm. Kicking cotton. Oh, what? Wait, what? Let's, let's talk about that. He is able to resist the hypnosis. Because he picks Cotton out of the chair. Oh my god. Oh my god. No, that is not accidental. Oh my god. Like, I did not... Peel confirms on the commentary track, that is a thousand percent intended. My mind is exploding right now. Yeah, he survives because he picks Cotton out of a chair. Holy shit, like that... Ah, uh, that opens up a whole nother level for this movie. Like, I knew... Doesn't it? I knew that... I knew it went deep, but God, that opens yeah. up a whole nother level for just... Yeah, this this completely deserved its Oscar. Holy fucking shit. Yeah. This is... I'm telling you, this oh. was... Jordan Peele, he came to play. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I could ponder how weird it is that this won the Oscar for Best Original Script... No, it won the Oscar because this is the best original screenplay anybody wrote last year. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen a lot of movies. I will be floored if any are this well written. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is, I'm telling you, this is. You're gonna, you, y'all may be noticing. I'm not bringing up a lot of criticisms about this movie. No, I don't have them. I'm sorry. I literally do not have them. Um, again, I would really have to watch more movies. I would be shocked if anything, if if you were to ask me, did do I think this is the best film of last year? Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't doubt probably. It. <laughs> I may see a few better films, but this is probably it. This probably is as good as it got last year. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. The, the the picking cotton. Wow. And then of course we get the sequence where he just fights to survive. Mm-hmm. Something that Peel took very real care to do was make it so that Chris doesn't kill anybody out of rage. If mm. he kills someone, they're trying to kill him. Yeah. It's very... Yeah, and that's, like... I don't think I consciously realized that, but you could tell, like, he's just done. 
It's survival. It is entirely survival. Yeah. And the I... last 20 minutes of this movie are they're painful. Mm-hmm. But they're also cathartic as he just I mean, it's where you really appreciate what a an intense physical presence Kaluuya is. Mm-hmm. And he is he's a very intense guy. Uh, you know, distinct. Yeah. He, he stands out on screen. He does. Um I do like that one of the signature images of this movie is him crying because that's such an unmasculine image, but it's become a stereo. It's become what we think of when we think of this movie. Mm -hmm. Oh God. It's so, Oh, it's, it's it's good. I just, Mm -hmm. I can't go back to this enough. It's genuinely good. It's, it's really quite powerful. Again, that he's, he has this reaction of, the tears it's playing with our our thoughts on masculinity yeah but then we get into the third act and again it's when he goes into that mode of i am going to do anything i can to survive mm-hmm. it's just it's incessant it's it works yeah and it finally builds up to his friend showing up and this mm-hmm. is where i finally want to talk about little rel how how he's working this movie yeah wow this he is the comic relief of the movie Mm-hmm. And he is some of the best scenes in this movie are him. Yeah, he is hysterical. <laughs> All of he, because what it's what's so funny about him is he's right that there's something wrong going on, but he's also yeah. wrong. Yeah, he's right and he's wrong, and he's such a hysterical, just a, a hysterically funny character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Every line that thing is first of all you believe it's funny because he and chris don't actually share a scene together until the very end of the movie it's all over phone that's true they don't realize and by that way, but yeah and by the way uh peel pointed out that you know when it came time to run lines with the other actors on with actors on the other scene mm-hmm. end of the scenes of course he himself did it yeah he did point out that that was one advantage of being a sketch comic was that he was able to slip into that very easily. Yeah. But anyway, you, you but they do have such natural chemistry mm-hmm. in that scene. And again, you point out his reaction when he finally gets down there. That was one thing that was really great. They establish him as a TSA agent. They mm-hmm. establish him as not an idiot. He's mm-hmm. funny, but he's not an idiot. Yeah. But when it finally gets to that brilliant scene where he shows up wow. I told you not to go down there which is which is really funny because if you look on the uh on the blu-ray uh on the blu-ray DVD there's a there's a compilation of other takes like that was completely yeah. improvised yeah peel was a lot of a surprising amount of the movie was improvised yeah um and there did trust his actors I forgot what the funniest one like. That's not even the funniest in, like improvisation. Uh, so there was one about Trump voters, <laughs> and of course the movie ends with Chris getting away with it. As is known, that mm-hmm. wasn't the original ending of the movie. Yeah, they even shot an ending where he gets arrested for murder. Yeah, honestly, I'm glad. I'm glad I didn't go with that. This is the better ending. This is the better ending. This mm-hmm. is the better ending by far. In part because I think we needed the catharsis of someone getting away with it. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and there's not even the thought of, oh, well, maybe later. No, no. If they go back there, they're going to find all the evidence of what happened. Yeah. You know. Yeah. If anything, this is probably, if anything, the ending of this movie is probably the precursor to one hell of an epic news story. Yeah. Like, even, even though the justice system in this country is broken, no jury could convict him. It's going to be the start of one hell of a story. I Yeah. Again, and then the movie's over. Um, everybody that's done harm gets killed and gets killed good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's it. Yeah. That's the entire movie. That's all that there is. Mm-hmm. And I love that that's all that there is. Is just one long boom. Yeah. That's it. This is only an hour and 44 minutes, so it's 104 minutes. Mm-hmm. It's a quick moving 104 minutes. It's not – I wouldn't say it's overly short or overly long. Mm-hmm. It's probably the exact length it needed to be. Yes, I would agree. But it's exact. It delivers what it needs to deliver, and then it's done. Mm-hmm. It's it's funny that, it, that a movie entitled Get Out – gets in and gets and out, gets out. <laughs> it's clean i have mm-hmm. i really and truly do have nothing but but love for what was done with this movie this is this is something this mm-hmm. was something unique and special and i'm glad we got to see it yeah i really i i really do have a lot of love for it. again i just this is such a strong film um i don't have anything more i can add to it just yeah, I, I can't really think of much either, but jeez. <laughs> I stress, listen to the commentary track if you can. I've mm-hmm. even, even seen it floating around the internet as a standalone. Like, yeah. you can just listen to that. Mm-hmm. I, I recommend that. I, I recommend that. If you can find it, if you can find it, get it on the Blu-ray. Get the Blu-ray, period. Yeah. Get the DVD, because it's on the DVD. Just listen to the commentary track is my big advice. I don't know, y'all. This one was this was something. This was a big win here, um, and I'm glad the film found an audience. And mm-hmm. I really feel like Bloom giving Peel this chance to just make the movie he wanted to make. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's very it's made very clear from from everything I've seen. This was exactly the film Peel set out to make, and he got to make it. Yeah, like I I don't have any doubts of that. Like this is. This is very distinct voice. Like, it does not feel... Like, if there's anything that felt less like there's studio med- studio or executive meddling, it's this film. It, it really it is. Because, holy again, shit. <laughs> and we didn't even really touch on the fact this movie is about nice racism. Probably because mm-hmm. we did so much last time. Yeah. We, we've already touched on this. I really cannot... But I do have to briefly say, I admire that Peel made this movie about nice racism. Instead mm-hmm. of this, the hackneyed Trump voter stuff, mm-hmm. it would have this movie would have meant nothing if it had been about the hackneyed stuff we expected. It would have meant yeah. nothing. It means something that it's what it is. Instead, that mm-hmm. was special. That was unique. Yeah, that this movie goes after nice racism and says this is still really awful. Mm-hmm. Don't do it. Yeah, and it does make you uncomfortable. And I also really admire that Peel stayed out of the movie himself. Yeah. He's not in it. 
You don't see them. No. It would have been very easy to do. But it would have also destroyed the movie. It would have, yeah. It would have, it would have been way too much distraction. Mm-hmm. As it is, it's just, it's, it's just, I'm glad he didn't. Um, mm-hmm. So again, if you haven't seen it, <clears throat> you're in the minority at this point, but if you haven't mm-hmm. seen it, watch it. Um, oh, I thought of one thing though, that, real quick, we do have to stop real, real quick to do, to address one thing that this movie is not about. Yeah. Let's talk real quick about the fact that this movie is not about the dangers of interracial dating. No, not at all. I've seen people say that. Really? Let's make that, Yes. Uh, this is an argument that I've actually seen people make that the movie that the entire message of the movie is don't date a white girl <laughs> the whole the whole white girls be crazy trope let's let's get yeah. two really really vital pieces of information out of the way so that we can kill that idea dead because it's not true mm-hmm. number one Jordan Peele is biracial that's yeah. a real big fact that's not being dis- discussed even though Key and Peele actually starts with the discussion by both men about the fact that they're both the products of biracial relationships. Hmm. Um, both both men are – yeah, I, 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 um, I want to say both men are white mothers, black fathers. Um, mm-hmm. Very cool fact, by the way, about Keegan-Michael Key. His father mm-hmm. uh, had a, an, another family. Uh, mm-hmm. I know that he definitely – I know that it definitely wasn't a pleasant upbringing. He found mm-hmm. out – Later, that his late half brother mm-hmm. uh, had died before he could ever meet him, and that's a real shame. Oh, but but his late half brother was Dwayne McDuffie, a name that you probably oh. don't know, but I sure you know. I do. no, it was a big deal when he died. I didn't hear about yeah. him uh, up until then, but I know some of the things he did. Please look up my review of Justice League Doom. Please look up my review of All Star Superman. Please up look up my review of. Just Crisis on Two Earths, which has problems, but none of which are his script. Yeah. He wrote an excellent script for it. It's just the voice casting was awful on that movie. Um, hmm. Dwayne McDuffie is a genius. Uh, if he wrote something, you need to stop and read it. His Justice League episodes are great. So that's kind of a cool thing, and that has nothing to do with the discussion that we're getting into. Anyway, you see my point. Mm-hmm. Jordan Peele wasn't trying to do that. The other thing is, and this is something that really bugs me, uh, that people were saying this. A lot of people were pointing out that he is married to a white woman. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people were acting as if, oh, now now he's bringing her out now that it's Oscar season. Because she went with him to the Oscars in various places. Mm-hmm. Okay, that would presume <laughs> that his wife is some anonymous figure. <laughs> Who? She's not. Uh, Peel is married to Chelsea Peretti, uh, a prominent writer on Parks and Recreation. You'll see oh. her name a lot in the credits. Oh, sweet. But that ain't where most of y'all know her from. Most of y'all know her as Gina on uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've been watching Fan- a lot of that lately. Fantastic comedic actress. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was a little hard on the show after I speed binged it. But that mm-hmm. wasn't fair. That was the fault of me speed binging it. It is a good show. It's fun. And Andy Samberg gets to do a lot in it, but she is amazing on it. She pretty much steals <laughs> every episode that she's allowed to go loose on. Yeah. So let's be clear. Peel wasn't hiding her. He's, mm-hmm. he's been very open about the fact they've been in a relationship for a very long time, and they have a child, and, you know, I just no, no, that's not what this movie is about. 
Unfortunately, and I'm going to give away a spoiler here about how we put this together, we had to record this tag after we recorded this episode. Yeah, if you, if you notice kind of drastic microphone change, that's why. <laughs> yeah, y'all are going to notice that my voice sounds better than it sounded in months. That's because I'm we actually figured out how to use my microphone on the Skype. And let's be clear. No, 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 no. Uh, there's an idea. In the time between this, I heard something even dumber. Mm-hmm. Amazingly, something worse than that. I've heard some people argue that the movie doesn't have to be about race. <laughs> what movie were you watching? Wrong. <laughs> the idea was, well, Rose could have been going to get any strong men. No. Any. No. The entire point that the movie underlines over and over and over and over again is white people stealing blackness. Mm-hmm. That's what makes this a great movie. If it had just been that she was going and stealing bodies, that's, it wouldn't have... Wa- no, that that would have been just another slasher movie, and that's not... No. <laughs> no. I would like to remind everybody, this movie won an Oscar. Mm-hmm. For its like, screenplay. For its screenplay. And again, I'm not arguing the deserving of it. Mm-hmm. Holy hell did it deserve it. Mm-hmm. But no, 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 stop saying that. Um, so anyway, those are my thoughts on Get Out. Look, most of y'all have already seen it. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're going to change your minds. If you haven't seen it, you don't want to see it. Yeah. But if you have seen it, man, wasn't it awesome? <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I'm this... glad I got to see it in theater. That's one... I I forgot whether I mentioned this, but it's one of the rare ones where I just went in not knowing a thing about it, except that, except that it was about race. Man, I I, I can't wait to see what Jordan Peele does next. Uh, I know yeah. he's looking at a lot of projects. I know he's got a lot on his plate. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't do anything soon, it won't be because of industry bias or anything. It'll be because he's just trying to figure it out. Yeah. I really believe if he doesn't make another movie soon, it's not due to him uh, not being able to figure you – know, you know what I mean? This isn't going to be yeah. a case of the industry. He's going to get a fair hand here. Yeah. Uh, he's he's producing a lot of stuff. He's producing Spike Lee's next movie. I think that's hmm. great. That's cool. And boy, I – have you heard the premise of Lee's next movie? No. It's about a white. It's about a black man that infl- that infiltrates the Klan as an undercover agent. Oh shit! Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Welcome, you... welcome, welcome back, Spike. Because that sounds wonderful. Is oh, he, and is it going to get an actual theater release this time? Yes, it is. It's uh, Focus Features Blumhouse. Good. Blumhouse is producing. Good. Like his uh, last one was good, but it was just you know. Uh, it was just his direct video. Yeah. It did yeah. play very limited theaters. This one is going to get a theatrical rollout. Good. Oh, and by the way, as bizarre as this premise sounds, mm-hmm. you just know that I'm going to tell you it's based on a true story. Oh, yeah. I think I may have heard about this guy. Like, well, I, this... I, heard, about, I this... heard about a guy who went around befriending uh, clansmen and kind of getting them, um... drawing them out of the clan. But I'm not sure it's the same... No, it's not. And this story is wild. It's crazy. I don't think Lee will have to do anything to change it. Huh. I cannot 
wait for this movie. This is going to be great. And here's what's interesting. The guy that's starring in it is uh, John David Washington is the guy's name. John David Washington. Mm-hmm. His dad has worked with Spike Lee before. Oh, Denzel? Yep. Yeah, Denzel Washington's son. I, uh, that's just cool to me. Nice. Let me check that because I've got to be sure about that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm really excited that that's what we're getting. I'm, I'm really excited that we're going to get something like that. I, and I'm glad that Peel is putting – I'm glad that he's using what he got out of this movie to go in and put his name on things, to go mm-hmm. in and back guys like Lee. I, I think that's a really vital idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm looking, to, I'm, I'm looking John David Washington up to be sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, I take one look at this guy and I'm like, yep. Yes. Yep. Yeah. I can, I can, it's like, I look at him and I'm like, yep. Yep. I, I, I know exactly. <laughs> I know exactly who your father is. Mm-hmm. He apparently uh, tried to be a football player and shifted to acting. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> yeah. Yeah. He, uh, yeah. I'm, uh, that, that's cool. That's cool. I, again, I, I think that's cool that after Lee, of course, had such a wonderful experience working with, uh, his uh, father. I just think that's cool. So anyway, that's my thoughts on Get Out. Till then, you can find us at thefilmroom.org. Mm-hmm. We got a lot of stuff coming. We're going to get... Yeah. Be sure we're going to get into it. Be sure to check out our sister show, uh, The Ship Has Sailed. Please uh, do. It's wonderful. I'm loving it. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, hosted by me and uh, my co-host, Kitty. Uh, YouTube and on this network. Yeah, I guess we are kind of building up a network, aren't we? We are, yeah. I mean, we only have two you shows know, now, but it's kind of cool. I like it. So anyway, we're we'll we'll talk to y'all next time. See you, everybody. It's, um, it's, it's me, Rod. Hi. Where's Chris? He left two days ago. He left? Yeah, he, he got all paranoid and then he freaked out on me. And then he just got in a cab and left his phone. Wait, you haven't seen him? No, he never came back here. Oh my God. Look, look, man, I've been calling his phone a bunch of times. Matter of fact, I went to the police. What did you say? I just said he was missing. Oh, good. Uh... Let me ask you something. What cab company did he, uh, did he use to leave? Oh, gosh, I... I don't know. I guess, uh, maybe a, a local one, or I guess he, he could have called an Uber. 
Um, wait, I am so confused. Oh, you confused? Oh, okay. Confused? You know something? Me too. Hold Could you hold on one second? Okay. Okay, hold on. You lying bitch. She is lying like a motherfucker. I know that. Ooh, that TSA shit tingles. This motherfucker's lying. Fuck, I got you. I'm gonna record your ass. Record the shit out of you. You talk too goddamn much. You gonna say something. <clears throat> uh, Rose? Uh-huh. Um, so last time I talked to Chris, he told me your mama hypnotized him. Rod, just stop. Huh? I know why you're calling. Why is that? Kind of obvious, don't you think? What? That there's something between us. No, oh, what you talking about, girl? I called you about Chris. No, Rod. Whenever we'd go out, I remember you looking at me. What the fuck you know? Chris is my best friend. Hey, look, if you did something to him. I know you think about fucking me, Rod. Ain't nobody thought about fucking you. Why would you say some stupid shit? What the? You ass. Fuck you. I didn't want to. Fuck you. Bye. Shit. Ah, she's so, she's a fucking, she's a, ah, she's a genius.